You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. I want to tell you this. I, I haven't said this in a while b- before today. I, w- I want to say it again. I, w- I want to just share this with you. When, when, when I felt strongly called to go into ministry, I asked God for two things. Now, I, I don't know that you really should say, okay, God, I'll do this if you'll do this. I, I don't know if you, I don't, because I don't know if God's going to honor that. Like, you know, say, well, I'll do it, God, if you'll, no, I don't think God honors that kind of an attitude. So it wasn't that. It was more like, okay, God, I'll do it. But I ask you for two things, God. And here's the two things I ask you for. First, I said, God, I don't want to lose my family. Because I've seen a lot of ministers lose their family. I've seen ministers who got so busy reaching the world, they didn't reach their family. And I can't think of a a more important mission field than the the one that God gave me, dropped into my life as a family, my, my, my wife, my kids. And, and man, I, you know, some time ago, I started praying that on down generations. I mean, I'm praying it way on down generations now. God, as long as, as, long as you tarry until you come, God, I, I don't want to lose any of them. I don't want to lose a grandkid, a great-grandkid, a great-great-grandkid. I want all of them to follow you. And, you know, and God's giving me that right now, and I'm, I'm still asking him for it. The second thing I ask God for, is, and, and I said this, and, and I had to think about it before I said it. I said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. But wherever you send me, whatever you tell me to do, I want to have impact. I don't want to do anything just for the sake of doing it. I don't want to just be doing busy work in the kingdom. I don't want to just be, just be passing time. Everything I do for you, God, I want to have impact in it. And you know what? Every, t- every place that we've been, sometimes you, look b- you would think, well, I don't know that we had any impact, but we look back and we do see impact. That we're Every single place. And can I tell you something? You're a part of a church today that has impact. And I'm pastoring a church that has impact. I'm praying those kinds of prayers. And, and if you want that in your life, then pray those kinds of prayers. So ask God, God, make me a person that has impact. You know, that changes as you, as you grow and as you mature and as you, as you start new things. But still, you can have impact. And God is giving us impact. And let me tell you where that impact begins, okay? Because this is where we begin, begin with this sermon in this sermon series is it begins in the house. Okay, and we're going to go to Ma- Malachi chapter 3, and, and if you knew that this was a giving series, you know we've got to go to Malachi chapter 3 at some point in this, in this sermon series, if you know anything about Malachi 3. Okay, so, so let's, let's read right here, okay, because this is where it begins. And God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. It begins in the house. Like that testimony, that story you just heard of the eels. It begins in the house. We're talking about the house of God, okay? It begins in the house. Now, now back in when this was written and when God spoke this, this was before Jesus Christ had come to the earth. So Old Testament, all right? And so, so when we're talking about the house there, when, when God says, bring, bring, the, bring the tithes, we're talking about a very physical house. Now, they, they had synagogues that, that they would build in, in various communities so everybody could kind of get around to one. But there was one house. There was one temple, okay? It was the house of God. 
But that was before. Now that Jesus Christ has come, you know, the New Testament tells us we're all temples of God, okay? So, so something's changed. And, and one of the things that's changed is what the house is. You and I are the house. Now, we're all the body of Christ. Every Christian that's ever, been, ever lived and accepted Jesus, we're all the body of Christ. But this local body gathering together, we're the house. We're the house now. This is the house. And, and so it's, it, was a, it was a very physical thing. And now, and now metaphorically we can see that it is a house. And, and, and the house is not, you know, it's not the brick and the mortar or that where a lot of people meet on a Sunday morning or the cathedrals or even in a rented civic center. It's, it's not that because, because even, even in uh, third world countries, I mean, you'll find the old brush harbors. They're still around. You know, just basically clearings in places where people gather together to, to meet and to, to sing and worship God. And, and it's not that physical place like that. It's the gathering that is the house. It's not this that is the house. It's we are the house of God. This is, this is what God is. So collectively, we're the, we are the house. And that's where, that's where this all begins because like, like with the Neals, I mean, when, when it began when, when they went to a church service and people prayed over them and, and Andrew said, something's different. Something's different. And then they find 2911. And man, they... they the very first time I met them, I knew something different about them. And I tell you, right now, I'm challenging them to do some things because I see some stuff that's happening in their life and some stuff that's inside of them that God wants to use. So I'm challenging them to that. And you know where all that began? Where? In the house. In the house. And, and, and I meant now they're talking about how the family, who are they talking about? They're talking about you and me, the Church 2911 family, the house about how we're Im impacting them and the prayers and, 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 the, and the things that we're pouring into them. And we're going to hear a couple of more of these video stories uh, the next couple of weeks. And, and, and I'm excited for you. You're probably going to maybe even meet somebody that you don't know when, uh, when you watch these videos. And, and, uh, and so I'm glad we're going to get to do that. But understand, here's the, here's the thing this morning, is it begins in the house. It begins in the house. It's just like, it's just like together. You, you see, you, you may think, and rightfully so. You can't do a whole lot by yourself. And sometimes, sometimes we can feel like, well, what's the use? You can't do a whole lot by yourself. But like last year, I counted up over, I know over 15 families that we helped last year with benevolence. And that's not even counting what Royal Chicks does uh, at Christmas. I'm talking about just people that just had needs and came to us and, and we, we helped them. At least 15 families that I know of that the church as a whole helped. Not, just, not counting what small groups, okay, small groups did things like that as well. So I don't even know how many families we helped like that last year. But also last year, you know, last year was a big year for us in missions. We, we invested more in missions last year, 2017, than we've ever invested in missions. And I think maybe about twice as much as we've ever invested in a year. Last year was huge. Uh, we, we sent money into uh, storm-ravaged areas. We, we had ministry uh, go to South Dakota, to, uh, to uh, Honduras, to Italy. We're sending money to Italy. And... and uh, sending money to lots of places when, when, when needs came up and we found a need and we heard about a need, if we could, we tried to help. And you, you know, you and I, we can't do a whole lot. I'm going to give you a number here because I want you to know. I want you to know what the house is doing. So much more than you could do all by yourself. In 2017, Church 2911 invested over $26,000 in missions work. Would you say praise God for that and give God glory for that? Amen. I can't do that. You can't do that. But we can do that. The house can do it. That's where it begins. It begins in the house. 
It begins with this. It begins with this group of people and, and, and this gathering together. We're, you know, we're not just a club. It's what God is doing through us. And, and it's, a, it's amazing stuff that is happening. Like, like Wednesday night, man, that great pumpkin bash was just, was just awesome. Again, uh, uh, everybody just asked the questions. Here's, here's some pictures and maybe some video as well. I, uh, just, there's still pictures. I think we're moving. I'm going to make you think they're video, right? Uh, but, but it was an awesome event, and an awesome thing that happened. And all those lives that we touched and people that we, people that we, we ministered to and we, we reached out to, and everybody says, well, how many were there? I don't know. I, you know, count ants on an anthill. That's about how it was trying to count people. I, th I, I told somebody, I think the only thing we could do is maybe put a stamp on everybody when they came in and count them, you know, so we'd know, okay, they've been counted or whatever. I mean, there's no way to know how many. But I, I, I tell you that I spoke to so many people like, like say, hey, we're so glad you came tonight. I, I hope that you have a fun time. I said that so many times on Wednesday night. Thursday morning, I was having breakfast with someone uh, down at Shoney's. Have y'all eaten their breakfast bar yet? It is good. Okay, and, and so, so Thursday morning, I was at Shoney's eating breakfast, and a couple walked by me, and they looked down at us at our table, and they nodded at us, and I almost said, we're so glad that you came today. <laughs> And right before it got out of my mouth, I caught it and just nodded back at him. But I said that so many times on Wednesday night. I just, I was just so blown away. And 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 I stepped back. At one point, I just, I just kind of stepped back. I was in the middle of the crowd. Just kind of stepped back a little bit. And I was just looking around, and I, I just was wanting God, God, give me supernatural vision right now. I want to know every one of these that aren't going to church somewhere where I can go and invite them. And I asked, but I asked God for this. And, you know, He didn't give me that supernatural vision where I didn't know who all those were. But I asked God for this. Now, and I told you I've already asked God for two things. You know, back early in my ministry, I've asked God for this. I asked him this Wednesday night when I was standing in the middle of that crowd, backed away a little bit, just looking around. And I told God, I said, God, I want to pastor these people. I want to pastor every single one of them that is not attending church somewhere. I want to pastor all of them, God. I, want, I don't know how God's going to make that happen. But you know what? Sometimes things don't happen until you ask, until you ask the question, until you, until you say that in prayer. And so I'm telling you that also because I want you to pray that with me. God, every single one of them that don't attend church somewhere, we want to pastor. We want to be their family like, like we've been the family for the Neals and so many others. We want to be their family as well. Like this church has been the family that you need, the spiritual family. We want to be that. And I, I'm just blown away by that. And, 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 and so, so thank you. Thank you for, you know, for not saying, well, I could be doing something else. But uh, like Kurt said before the first service, heard him say, you know, we're talking about how many people were there. And Kurt said, I don't know. All I saw all night was hot dogs. Because he was wrapping hot dogs, wrapping hot dogs, wrapping hot dogs, you know. Thank you for all that. Like the people that, that worked for weeks getting this together. People showed up three hours early to set up. And, and all, you, all you people that worked the event, those people, like people went home still trying to scratch off all the cotton candy that was just caked on their hands, you know, or their clothes or whatever. You know? And the people that hung around afterwards that, that helped clean up, and, and, and you might not know this uh, unless I tell you, so I'm going to tell you, okay, that even after most of you left, there was a small handful that went over across the street. I asked them to go with me across the street to, to, the, to the high school parking lot because I, 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 didn't, I didn't, want the high, you know, didn't want the principal showing up the next day and say, who, who made this mess out here? And went over and helped me pick up and, and clean up. I, actually, when I got there, it was all cleaned up. I didn't pick up a thing over there in that parking lot. So all of you people that did all those things, you allowed us, enabled us to touch all those lives with the love of 
Christ. And you know what? Maybe nobody became a Christian Wednesday night, but you know what happened? Is somebody knows now that there's a church that wants to reach out to me. And so maybe in, in their moment of desperation or their moment of, hey, I need a church, the first one they'll think of is 2911. Those are the doors that we open when we do things like that. Or like with our Summer of Serve projects that we did this year. And, and maybe you didn't jump in on that, but let me, let me encourage you. Next year, don't just jump on somebody else's Summer of Serve project. You lead one. We'll jump in and help you do one. You do, we, need, we need hundreds of them, dozens of them at least next, next, next summer. We, we, we need to see, we need to keep reaching out because people are hurting out there. And all these things, where do they begin? They begin right here. They begin right here in the house. This is where it happens. It, do, it doesn't happen out there just because we're a group of people. It happens because we're the house. This is where it begins. And, and, and so now before the end of the year, we've got four more community outreach things that we're going to do. Two of them we, we, we do, we've done the past few years, but two are brand new. And I want to tell you about them. Tonight is team night. Yeah, this is a, this is a commercial right in the middle of the sermon, but, but I'm preaching the announcement right here. I want you to be here at 5 o'clock because I want to tell you about two awesome, more awesome things. So four things that we're going to do before the end of the year. We've got it scheduled out. We're going to have worship. We're going to have prayer. We're, we're going to have some organiz, organizing time. I'm going to spend about 15 minutes telling you about these things that we're going to do before the end of the year. And we've got it scheduled out. It's going to be an hour and five to an hour and 15 minutes. We're going to have a little bit of food as well. So, so I want you to be here. And listen, don't do, after service, don't come up to me and say, look, I can't be here tonight. Tell me those four. Don't do that. Because I can't give you in a few seconds the passion I need to give you in those in these 15 minutes tonight. Okay, so be here tonight five, at five o'clock. Okay, right here in this room, so I can share these things with you. Because these are the things that we've got to do. Because this is who God has called us to be—to reach out. Because it's not about us. Okay, so let me wrap up this point right here real quick before we move on to 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 four things. Because I've spent a lot of time here already. Let me wrap this point up. The house is important. This house is important. Don't diss the house. Don't neglect the house. Don't ignore the house. The house is important. And just like we preach in the selfie series about how it's so easy to get so focused on yourself, you miss all the other people. If you're not careful, that's what the selfie series, that's what the selfie culture will do to you. And in the same way, if you're not careful, you'll begin to think, well, I don't really have to go to church. I don't really have to be there every week. I don't really have to do, you know, and some people ask, well, do I really have to go to church every Sunday to get to heaven? Do I really have to go to church every Sunday and go to a small group to have a relationship with God and have a good relationship with him? Is it, is it really required? Nah, not wrong answer. That's the wrong question. See, if you're asking that question, man, your, your thinking is backwards. It's not, let me tell you how backwards it is. Asking that question, do I have to go to church every Sunday to, to have a great relationship with God, is the same thing as asking, do I have to kiss my spouse every day to have a great marriage? It's the same thing. You see, if you ask that question, there's something wrong. Is you're thinking backwards about it. That's not what it's about. You see, I, I said I do one, one day bef before a lot of witnesses, and, and ever since that day I've said I do. You know, I, I want that to grow, and in the same way I said I do to God. And because of that commitment, then I, I, I want to do the things that make for a great relationship. So, you know, when, when I'm asking, well, what little can I do and get by? That's the wrong question to be asking. Don't diss the house. This house is important because this is where it begins. You see it up there? This is where it begins. It begins right here. Bring the tithe into my house. 
This is, this is where it begins. This, this is really important, okay? And then God says, I'm going to do four things. I'm going to give you four promises. Four miracles are going to happen. Four blessings are going to happen for the people who don't neglect the house. So that's what I'm going to preach to you about real quick. We're going to go through all of these real quick. Okay, so let's, so let's go to the first one. So that there may be food in my house. Okay, very literally, back in, back in this time before, before um, Jesus came, you know, this was a, a very agricultural society. They didn't have a big financial industry or those kinds of things. There was money changing hands, but for the most part, people just dealt with livestock and stuff like, things like that, like this. Like if you had 10 lambs born to you, then, then the tithe would mean one of those belongs to God so that they would literally take a lamb to the house, you know, or a bull or a goat. Or their grain, you know, they would take a tenth of their grain. Or, or the oil, you know, if they, if they you know, uh, dealt in olives and they had olive groves, then, then they would take oil to that. So those things. So when, they, so when they brought those things, goats and bulls and lambs and grain and olive oil and all that, when they brought that to the house, then there was food in the house, right? Get it? Very, very simple, very easy to understand. When they took food to the house, that meant there was food in the house. Okay? Now today... It's different, but it's a spiritual thing. And here, this is what I really believe. I believe the Old Testament is a foreshadow of the New Testament. That, that all the truths of the New Testament, we can look back to the Old Testament and we can see the actual pictures of, oh, I understand. And now this helps me go to a spiritual place to understand that there are spiritual truths here that are happening that, that we saw early in the Old Testament. Now we see this. So, so take this to a spiritual place then. That now when we bring our tithe to the house, what does that mean? That means there's food in the house. You and I are eating today spiritual nourishment because somebody gave last week and the week before and the week and months before and and even years before we are we are blessed we are receiving nurse we're receiving encouragement there are songs being sung that pick us up and and make us want to you know make us want to rejoice and, and and worship God all these things are happening because somebody gave and even across the halls not just us in this room but our kids our kids eat our family, our friends eat. Even people who don't yet follow Jesus Christ can eat because somebody gave. That, isn't that awesome? Is it because you've given, because you gave last week or month, or uh, because you gave in years past? Because of all that, there are people, even people who don't know Christ are eating and receiving nourishment. It, it, and some, some people sitting with us today, they're not yet following Christ, but they're receiving nourishment. They're receiving a challenge. Why? Because you gave. Somebody gave. We gave. Because, because of this, we've given. And so now there's food in the house. And so then here's the next thing. Is then, then God says, now I want you to test me. Okay? You can say it up there. Now test me now in this. God says, I want you to test me. Test me. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, he said, you know, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so we shouldn't test God. Here God says, test me. Test, you don't believe? I'll do that. Just, 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 just try me and see. You know, I've heard people say, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford. God says, test me and just, just let me prove it to you. I've heard some <laughs> churches, pastors say, if you will commit to tithing for six months or a year, if at the end of that six months or a year, what, different churches have said different things, if God hasn't done what God promised he would do, 
then we will give you your tithe back. I've heard, I've heard churches do that. But you know what I've never heard? I've never heard a pastor say, don't do that because you'll have a lot of people come back to get their tithes. I've not heard anybody say it. You know why? Because God is true to his word. <laughs> you know, and God says, you don't believe me? Prove me. You know, most of the time I think it's kind of like God says, you don't believe me? Tough then. You don't get anything. But not here. God says, prove me. Test me and see. And here's the, so I told you there were four things that happened. So here's what God says. Test me and see if these next three miracles don't happen in your life. Prove me. Okay, so here's, here's the, here they are. Here's the first one. The first one is immeasurable blessings. God's ability to bless you is beyond your or anybody's imagination. If God created this universe, then what can he not do for you? I think about it. His, his ability to bless you is beyond imagination. So to say, well, you know, here's the thing. We, we say, I, I can't live off 90%. But you know what? You and God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. <laughs> you know, and so when, when you begin to realize that, because when, once I partner with God, then I'm not, just, I'm not just working on my own anymore. I'm not just dealing with the money I've got. I'm dealing with the money i got, and I'm dealing with all the money God's got. And God own, still owns it all. Okay, he still owns it all. It's all still in his hand. All he's got to do, he's got money in places you don't even know about. You know, you think rich people have money in places hidden from God. God's got money in places you don't even know about. And all kinds of blessings like that. And he says, he, he says he will give us immeasurable blessings. That he will pour out on us more than we can hold. That's, that's what he says. The, the, the imagery there when he says in Malachi chapter 3, as we were reading, he says, I will throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't even hold it all. You can't even contain it. Immeasurable blessing. Now, imagine I've got two pitchers. Okay, one's full of water and one's empty. I started to actually do this, but we would have made a mess right here. And, and imagine I put the empty one down there on the floor, and I take the, I take the full one, and I, I fill it from right here. Okay? You know, now, what, what, what's going to happen to that water? You know, a lot of it's going to go in, but a lot of it's going to splash out, right? You know, now, God's not wasteful, is he? I don't think God's wasteful, then why would God pour out more than we can handle or we can hold? Well, there, there's, there's one good example in, in the New Testament in Jesus' life. You, know, you remember when he fed that multitude of people with that one little boy's lunch? And when he was done, you know what he told the disciples to do? Give me that scripture right there. What did he tell the disciples to do? Next slide. John 6, 12, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And they gathered up 12 baskets full of leftovers. Now, I don't know what they did with the leftovers. I've got several ideas, and I've heard other people that give their ideas as well. And um, we could, we could, I could preach a message on the ideas of where the leftovers might have gone, okay? But here, let me just say this, because we don't have time to get into all that. Let me just say this, because I think we can all agree, about, agree with this. That when they took up the leftovers, everybody was already full. That's what the scripture says. Everybody was full. Nobody in that crowd wanted any more. So when they took up the leftovers, the leftovers were for a different time or a different place or maybe even a different people, a different crowd, right? So when God pours out, like the psalmist David wrote in Psalm 23, verse 5, my cup is overfilled. My cup runs over. When he says that, is God wasting? No. What is God doing? God is giving us more for a different time or a different place or maybe a different people, a different crowd than ours. Think about what happens when, when, when that water gushes out down there, out of, the, out of that, uh, that other pitcher that was empty. When it gushes out, where does it go? It goes on the ground. That sounds like waste, doesn't it? But not if you got seed in the ground. 
If you've got seed in the ground and water wasn't wasted, think about that. We're going to talk about seed here in just a quick second also. But when, when, when that water goes out, then those places around you that you've scattered your seed, the places that you've put stuff in because you want to see amazing things happen in your life, then when God starts blessing you and he blesses you more than you can hold, that begins to that begins to also splash out around you on the seed that you've planted in the places that you planted it. It begins to splash out on the people around you. Like, like there will be people around you that if you're, if you're really blessed, there will be people around you that say, I want what you've got. And they'll kind of try to start getting close to you. Maybe they don't fully accept Christ just right off the bat. But they'll say, I want to be close to you. And, and they'll get close to you. And so when God starts blessing you with abundance, they will also begin to receive because they're getting close to you. And it starts splashing out on them as well. That's why God will give us more than we more than you need, more than your family needs, more than this house needs, because there are people around us that need it. God wants to do that in you. God's not dealing his blessings out with an eyedropper. He says, I'll throw the windows of heaven and pour out so much that you can't contain it and everybody around you will begin to receive the blessings that I have that's what that's that's what God says he wants to do. and he's and you, if you're saying I don't know then he says well prove me you know I just had a Clint Eastwood moment right there and maybe God say just go ahead make my day just prove me and just see if I will not do exactly what I said I would do. Okay, so here's the next one, okay? This is the third one, the second in the test, right? The second thing he says, but here's the third one, protection of your harvest. Now, here's where I want to spend most of my time, and my time's really getting away from me, because you're probably thinking, well, this is something we don't even need to hear about because we ain't got no harvest, right? I mean, most of you, you don't have a garden, do you? There might be somebody here that you got four tomato plants on your back deck, right? And uh, if they all die, big deal. Four tomato plants, right? I mean, it's not one of your top ten priorities that you're going to God in prayer. Oh, God, please save my tomato plants on my back deck, right? So it's like we look at this and say, if we read it, which I hope you do, but we read that and we kind of just skip over it like, well, that's not speaking. So that's why we need to dig down and see what's here. Because we don't see that this speaks to us. This, oh, this speaks to us. Okay, let's start here. Galatians 6 and 7. Don't have that on the screen for you, but it's on the uh, Connect page, church2911.com slash connect. It's where the sermon notes are. And uh, all these scriptures and things, they're right there, okay? Um, Galatians 6 and 7 says, among many other scriptures throughout the Bible, I meant this is throughout the Bible, is what a man sows, that is what he's going to reap. So we put stuff in the ground or we sow things, you know, meta metaphorically speaking. We, we, we share things or we give things. We, we hand over things, whatever, however we give it away, and we receive it back to ourselves. But then also in Luke chapter 8 and also Matthew and Mark, they also tell this story. They remember Jesus sharing this parable, and, and if you read them, they're pretty much really close, maybe not word for word for word, but they're pretty close to remembering the exact same things that, that Christ is saying. And in this parable... This parable where he's talking about sowing seed and doing good and all of that. When he's talking about that, he tells us, what he's telling us in this parable is a lot of things can happen to the harvest. The harvest can be stolen. The harvest can die before it ever produces any fruit. Or the harvest can be choked out by the brambles and briars and thorns of life. Or, the fourth thing he says, is you can have... An immeasurable harvest that you can be 
immensely blessed. It can produce, and, and scriptures talk about, you know, even a hundredfold of what you, what you invest that you can receive back. Now, how does this happen? Because, you know, it says that if, if, if we plant, we're going to reap. If we sow, we're going to have a harvest. But then he says a lot of things can happen to the harvest. Let me show you what I mean. Now, these, these are all Old Testament right here. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28, here's what God says to the nation of Israel. He says, you will plant much but harvest little, for locusts will eat your crops. See, that's something else that can happen to the harvest, right? You will plant vineyards and care for them, but you will not drink the wine or eat the grapes, for worms will destroy the vines. That's another way, another thing that can happen to the harvest. You will grow olive trees throughout your land, but you will never use the olive oil, for the fruit, fruit will drop before it ripens. Another thing that can happen to the harvest. You know, when God said, this sounds like God is speaking a curse against them. You're going to do this, and it ain't going to happen. You're gonna, that's not what he's doing. Here's, what, here's, here's the context of what's happening right here. Is the, the nation of Israel is headed to what they called, and we call today, the promised land. And on their way, God is saying, this is this. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to bless you with this. I'm going to pour out this on you. But when you get there, if you fail to continue the partnership, I'm bringing you, we're going together. But when we get there, in the middle of your blessings, if you fail to maintain the partnership, this is what's going to happen. He, and he's not saying that I'm going to curse you and make this happen. These are the things that happen to harvest, right? Unless somebody's watching and taking care. And God is the Lord over everything. And so he's the Lord of harvests as well. And he's saying, if you don't maintain relationship and partnership with me, then I can't rebuke all those things from happening in your, in your harvest. Okay, so now you got a, a mental picture of what that looks like. We're going to draw this to, a, draw this to a, a conclusion here in just a moment where maybe we all get it. Let me show you another, another place in Scripture where, where God is speaking to rich people, people who have plenty and, enough, and more than enough, but he tells them, he tells them if they don't honor him, if God's saying, if you don't honor me in doing things in the right way, but you gain your money in the wrong ways, this is what he says is going to happen, and this is in uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 15. You will plant crops, but not harvest them. You will press your olives, but not even get enough to anoint yourselves, much less sell to somebody else. You will trample the grapes, but get no juice to make your wine. So he's saying, if, if, your God is saying, that you may look, and, and I don't know if you ever do it, but sometimes it, it gets in my spirit a little bit. I see people that aren't following God, and I think, why, why are they so blessed? Why has God overlooked their, I, and you know, got to battle that stuff, got to beat that back down, you know, whatever. And God says, you might be rich today, but if you are not going to honor me in the way you handle things today, this day is coming for you. This, this is what he said, it's coming for you because, again, you're not partnering with me and I can't protect your harvest anymore. So let me show you this one more, one more place, Haggai chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 8. God says, and this is, he's talking to the whole nation of Israel again. He says, you've planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Okay, think about this. I mean, this, this is easy to say. Again, the, the Old Testament is like the picture for us to get the spiritual truths of the New Testament. You see this? I mean, I see this. You know, I'm eating food that's not, that's not satisfying me. I'm still hungry after eating. That ever happened to you? You ever eat and you look for something else to eat, right? You know, uh, or, or you, you drink something and you're still thirsty, or you got clothes but they don't even keep you warm. You know, you kind of see that, right? Or, or, or you, your wages before you can even put them to the use that you need them to to pay this bill or whatever, it seems like they go right through a hole and they're they're gone as soon as they get. And you don't you don't get to do what you need to do with them. You know, so I think we can get this picture, right? We, we understand this. We get this picture. This is what God says is going to happen to Israel. No, this is what he says has already happened to Israel. 
Now, those first two, he said, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't stay in partnership with me. Here he's telling them, it's already happening. He said, this is happening to you. You're planting, but you're harvesting little. You're eating and drinking, but you're still thirsty and hungry. You're, dre you're dressing warm, but you're not staying warm. All of, these, all of these things are happening, and your wages, they don't stay with you long enough to do anything. They just run right through, just th through the holes. You put them in the pocket, and they just run right through, and, and you don't have. And, and, and God is telling them this. This is what is already happening to them. And you know why, he's you know why this is happening to them? Because if you read the first part of, the, of that chapter, you'll find out this is why. God is speaking to Israel. These things are happening to you because you've neglected the house. We're still preaching about the house this morning. He said, you've neglected the house. You've turned your back on the house. You've forsaken the house. You're ignoring the house. You, you're, you're ignoring the house. And, and, and you want to you see this? Because uh, you can back up the first few verses of the, of the chapter and you can see it. But you can also see it in verse 8 right here. Read with me right here, verse 8. God says, now go. This is, this is God's solution. Those things are happening. Here's God's solution. Now go up to the hills. Man. I just, this is one of those, I, I, I'm in a hurry right here, but I can't hurry. Is I want to preach here for just a little while. That God says, go up to the hills. He says, he says go up to the hills. You've been so focused on yourself for so, he said, it's time to get to the hills, just me and you for a little while. You've been so focused on your thing and what you've got to do and all of your stuff and the things that are important to you. It's time for me and you to have some, now get up to the hills. And, and then he says, Bring down the timber. Oh, goodness. I can't hurry past that one either. i got to tell you this. He says, bring down the timber. <laughs> it's time for us to do a little bit more. Don't bring the sticks down. Don't bring a little something down. It's time for us to do a little bit better than that. It's time for us to bring some substance to this partnership that we've got with God. He says, go up to the mountains. Let's me and you get alone every once in a while and bring some timber down. It's time for us to build a real house. It's time for us to build some real stuff in our lives. So bring the timber, God says. Go up to the hills. Bring down the timber and rebuild my house. And then God says, I will take pleasure in it and I will be honored. He says, quit dissing my house. Quit ignoring my house. Quit neglecting my house. Get alone with me. Bring, some bring something of substance. And then he says, and, and rebuild the house. And then he says, I'll take glory in it. And he says, I'll, he's saying, I'll partner with you again. All those things that are happening in verse 6, right? Those things are going to go away when you partner with me. Rebuild my house. Don't neglect my house. So you've got the picture. Can we, can, can we get the metaphorical truth that is here? All that stuff, all that stuff that you've been trying to build in your life and it ain't working. The way you've been trying to build your marriage, come on. I can call names right now. Because you, you ask me for stuff. It's like I'm, I'm not talking metaphorically. I'm talking where you live right now, okay? All that, all that you're trying to build in your marriage, all that you're trying to build in your finances, all that you're trying to build in your life, and it ain't working. And you're still hungry, or you're still thirsty, or you're still needing more, or you're still, or you're still cold inside, or, or, or it's like it's never enough. It just goes through the, and it's just never enough. It just goes through the holes in the pipe, and it just keeps on and keeps on and it keeps on. And God says, "Quit neglecting my house." See, it's about the house. Oh, the house is so important. The house is so important. All these things. See, you don't think you need help protecting your harvest? Yeah, you do. It's being, it's being stolen, isn't it? 
It's dying before the fruit ever produces. It's getting covered up in the briars and the brambles and the thorns of life. But he says there's one more thing that can happen to the harvest. You remember? He says there can be a harvest, a huge harvest, a great harvest. It can happen. So let me take you back real quick to Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. You remember what it said right there? God says to those, and this is not the, the quote, but God says to those who test him with their tithes that he will not allow their harvest to be lost. So what you're trying to build in your marriage, what you're trying to build in your finances, in your, in your future, in your career, in your education, in, 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 in your kids, and in, in your health, whatever it is you're trying to do, God says he will protect your harvest and not allow it to die, not allow it to be stolen, not allow it to be choked down by the briars and the the brambles if you test him in this I mean he's telling you you go you go first and test me and I'll prove to you that I can and he's challenging you you've been listening to the church 2911 sermons podcast if you have a prayer need our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you you can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church 2911.com if you would like to know more about our church including information about our weekly services please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.